You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back everybody to the weekly Parsha Review. This week's Parsha is Vizo Sabrocha. It is the 11th portion in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Devarim, and the 54th and final Parsha of the Torah. There are 41 verses in this week's Parsha, 512 words, and 1,989 letters. Not an extra letter in the entire Torah. Not an extra word and not an extra verse. If there's a verse there, if there's a word there, if there's a letter there, it's there for a reason. There are no mitzvahs, no commandments in this week's Parsha. But this week's Parsha, Vezos HaBracha, is the final Parsha of the Torah and is unique because it is only read on Simcha's Torah. Usually, the Torah portion is read on Shabbos, but Vizos HaBracha, the conclusion of the Torah, is only read on Simcha's Torah, and Vizos HaBracha begins, and this is the blessing that Moshe blesses each tribe of Israel, like Yaakov did for his sons, with its own special blessing shortly before he passes away. Before blessing the nation, though, Moshe praises Hashem. Hashem came from Sinai and then approached with some of the holy myriads. From his right hand, he presented the fiery Torah to them. Indeed, you loved the tribes greatly, for they planted themselves at your feet, bearing the yoke of your utterances. The Jewish people lovingly and unconditionally accepted Hashem's Torah. And then we have the remarkable verse. The Torah that Moshe commanded us is the heritage, the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Moshe blesses the tribes of Israel individually. Reuven, the eldest, is blessed with life in this world and in the next one. Yehuda, with success and victory in the course of his battles. Levi, the only tribe to remain faithful to Hashem throughout the various trials and tests the Israelites encountered in the desert, Moshe declares, they will teach your laws to Yaakov and your Torah to Israel. They will place incense before you and burn offerings upon your altar. Binyamin is beloved by Hashem and will be graced with the holy temple in their portion. Yosef is blessed with a bountiful portion that will be blessed with ample rain, dew, produce, and delicacies, and sweet fruits on his land. Yosef is also blessed with unusual ox-like strength, which he would use to vanquish his enemies. Zavulun with success in trade and business endeavors. Yisachar with success in Torah studies. God with the strength of a lion who tears off the arm and head of his enemies with one blow and an expanding portion in the land of Israel. God is also praised for choosing a portion on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, opting to settle in close proximity to Moses's, to Moshe's final resting place, and for leading the troops in battle in the conquest of Canaan. Dan is blessed with the strength of a lion cub. Naphtali is blessed with a portion in Israel with fertile land and sea that is lauded as one that brings satisfaction to all its inhabitants and is filled with God's blessings. And then finally, Asher is blessed with sons and an abundance of olive oils, to which the Torah says he will immerse his feet in oil. Moshe concludes the individual blessings and addresses 
the entire nation as a whole. May your borders be sealed strong as iron and copper. And like the days of your prime, so may be your old age. Hashem who dwells in the heavens is always ready to come to your assistance. Fortunate are you, O Israel, who is like you. Ashrechem Yisrael mi kamocha. As Hashem commanded Moshe ascended Mount Nevo opposite Jericho, Jericho, Hashem shows Moshe the entire land of Israel that he promised to our patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moshe, the servant of Hashem, died by the mouth of Hashem at 120 years. His eyes hadn't dimmed and his vigor hadn't diminished. Moshe was buried by Hashem. No one will know his burial place to this day, the verse says. The children of Hashem wept, tearfully mourned Moshe for 30 days. Then Yoshua became the new leader. Moshe was the greatest prophet to ever live. He performed incredible and awesome miracles before the eyes of all of Israel. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek. Immediately upon the completion of this parsha, we begin reading from Bereshis again, because the journey of Torah study always continues. It never stops. Now to some of the important lessons. So just on a personal note, I first want to thank you all because for 54 weeks, we have been at this, learning every single Parsha, going through it. It forced me to take the time and put in a tremendous amount of effort to go through each Parsha, hopefully diligently enough to have great clarity and to produce these podcasts and these videos. So I want to thank each and every one of you, because without you, I wouldn't be doing it. So I'm deeply grateful. That's number one. I want to thank Bobby Asarch and Linda Friedberg, who originally came up with this idea. And they, we had a meeting here at the Torch Center about a year ago, and we talked about the class that they wanted, and to all of my friends watching and listening, if there's any class that you want me to start, I will ha- happily acquiesce and dedicate my time, because there's nothing that gives me more joy and more fulfillment in this world than teaching Hashem's Torah. It is a privilege, and I love the opportunity, the challenge. You won't even, you can't even imagine how many of our classes that we have are because someone made a comment once and said, oh, I wish we had a class like this and that. And boom, we started a new class. So I thank each and every one of you. But there's another thing, and that it makes me sad. I mean, the Torah is such a magnificent gift. And it makes me sad that we're at the end of it now. But Fear not, my friends. We're starting all over again. We're going to start from Genesis, and we're going to go through it. And I also want to thank a couple of websites that have been assisting me, uh, making sure I don't miss out any points. I've used uh, or.net, or, or.edu, which is Orsamach's website. I used uh, Chabad.org. I used H.com. I used Alphabeta and Torah.org to collect all of the the summaries, and I've gone through, I've seen many of them missing many significant parts of Parshas. Um, sometimes they're all missing certain parts of Parshas, and uh, making sure that I, I don't miss out on anything. I go through the Chumash myself, but sometimes to be able to summarize a verse and to have clarity, I've relied on some of their understandings, and I'm deeply grateful, of course, to... Uh, the Living Torah by Rabbi Arya Kaplan, 
But none of this is mine. None of this is theirs. It's all Hashem's. Hashem gave us this Torah. It's not plagiarized. It doesn't belong to anyone. This is now ours. And hopefully in the coming months, I'm going to work on uh, going through all of the parshas again, adding what I feel is missing from each parsha. Because there are times that after I teach the class, I'm like, I think I left out something. There's something that I should have had here that, you know, upon reading it again, I should have included this, I should have included that, or that should have been done more precisely. And uh, therefore, I'm hopefully going to go through it again this year, um, not in a podcast per se, but to, to work through the sheets and make sure that each one is updated. For those of you who are listening online, those of you who are watching uh, on video, the link is in the in the description. You can have the link to all of the partial review notes. Now, some important lessons to talk about from this week's parsha. Number one is that there are three times in the Torah that the tribes are blessed. Number one in Genesis by the father of the tribes, Yaakov, Yisrael. Here in Deuteronomy and later in Judges, it's also all the blessings are delineated for each of the tribes. I wanted to bring a comparison to see what each one says, but if you look very carefully, Shimon does not receive a blessing here. All of the tribes get blessings. Shimon does not. And the reason he does not is because Moshe is not pleased with Shimon. Shimon had the rebellion that came, Baal Peor, they served idolatry. Zimri was together with Cosby. Shimon got involved in some trouble. Pinchas needed to subside. Moshe is not happy with Shimon, uh, who was a neighbor to Korach, and we learned from here the influence you have from your neighbors, from your friends, from your culture, from your society, from your news. We are all being primed with information to think a certain way, and perhaps sometimes it's not a good thing. The Torah tells us how to live our lives. The Torah tells us, the Torah guides us the proper way to live. And Moshe here is giving by way of not mentioning Shimon, giving a rebuke to Shimon for their actions. Now, if you look at the Torah, it says that Hashem presented the fiery Torah to them because fire could be used for exceptionally good things. You can mold things with fire. You can cook things with fire. You can warm things with fire. But you can also destroy things with fire. And when the Torah says that it was given, when Moshe says that the Torah was given as a fiery Torah, you need to know how to use the Torah properly. Because using the Torah improperly can devastate and can harm. And we need to internalize this idea. The Torah is not just a book. The Torah is God's word. And when we learn the Torah, what we're doing is we're touching fire. Now, if we deal with it properly, it'll warm us, and it'll, it'll enrich us, it'll feed us, it'll take care of us. But if we get too close in the wrong way, we use it the wrong way. It's fire and it devastates. Now, who owns the Torah? This is one of my favorite things to say. I say this as much as I can. The rabbis, the scholars, the sages, they don't own the Torah. 
It says in this week's parsha, Morosha Kihilas Yaakov is an it is an inheritance for every single Jew. Chapter thirty three, verse four. It is an inheritance. It's our heritage. It belongs to us, to each and every one of us. So don't ever feel like you can't inquire or acquire the Torah. The Torah is yours. It's yours for the taking. Moshe makes it very clear here in the end of the Torah, the last chapter of the Torah. Moshe is making it very clear. You know who this Torah belongs to? This Torah does not belong to the rabbis. It doesn't belong to Moshe. It doesn't belong to any one of the tribes. It belongs to each and every one of you. Every person who wants to attain the Torah, Yavoviyito, come and take it. It's yours. There's nothing holding us back from acquiring and learning the Torah and making it our own. It belongs to each and every one of us. And we should use it as, we should feel it as a privilege and take it as an opportunity to make it ours. It's sitting there. It's just like someone who gets an inheritance but doesn't collect the inheritance. It's just sitting there. I want to share with you a story. My great uncle, Reb Chaim Kreisworth, was a brilliant, brilliant man. One day, after the way after the Holocaust already, he was visiting in Jerusalem. And he sees a pauper in a synagogue collecting charity. He asks him his name. He was a tremendously kind and generous person. He was a big rabbi, but he gave it a lot of charity. He sees this individual and he asks him, what's his name? He says, I'm from this and this. He says, one second. I'm just going to throw a name like you. Goldberg. Goldberg from this and this city and this this and this town in, in, in Europe? He says, yes. How do you know? He says, I've been looking for you for years. He says, your father, before he died, told me to tell you that you, there's a Swiss account that has tens of millions of dollars in it. And this is the number. He tells him off the, the, code, the number for the account. And this person became an enormously wealthy person overnight. Why am I telling you the story? Because we are all that child feeling disheveled, feeling poor, feeling like I, I don't have access, but we do have the access codes. It's ours. It belongs to us. The whole time we're walking around this world not feeling like we belong in Judaism because we don't have clarity or wisdom of Torah. Guess what we do? It's yours. Here are the codes. Codes are very simple. Open up Torah and read it. Open up the Torah. It's your Torah. It's your inheritance. It belongs to you and to your children and to your grandchildren. And give them the privilege and the opportunity of going to a Hebrew school, to a Torah school, so that they can know their Torah. It's their, their inheritance. It's their heritage. Fortunate are you, O Israel, who is like you. This is the verse, chapter 33, verse 29. Another part of, I think of the importance of knowing our inheritance is knowing our status. There is no nation on planet earth like the Jewish people. We can never hide from this fact. We can try to be as inclusive. We can try to be as assimilated. We can try whatever we want. It's not going to help. The Jewish 
people are unique and special in a way that no other nation is. The other nations are jealous. I'm sorry, you had the opportunity. God offered the Torah to all the nations and only the Jewish people accepted it. Only the Jewish people wanted it. So it's nothing for us to be ashamed of. It's nothing for us to be shy of. It's nothing for us to say, oh, I don't want to make my neighbors uh, shy or embarrassed. or No, you be proud of your Judaism. You don't have to stick it into anybody's face. They're welcome to join if they want. But we have to know our status. We have to know how special we are. Ashrechem Yisrael Nikamocha. You're blessed beyond anything possible for our imagination. Mikamocha, there's no one like you. We have to feel that pride. We shouldn't hide from it. We should embrace it. This is our unique role in this world. Now, sadly, Moshe passes away seven verses before the end of the Torah. And if we see that there was a 30 day of terrible mourning, the Jewish people were just crying and you know, it, it was just a, a very, very sad time for the Jewish people. Their leader is gone. Their leader from beginning, from the beginning, from when they were no nation yet. We weren't the Jewish people till we till we received the Torah at Mount Sinai. Before that, we were Hebrews. Yeah, we went through slavery together, but we weren't yet a united people. We became a united people at the foot of Mount Sinai when we all said with one word, we will do and you will hear. That's when we became a nation. So the Jewish people are crying. But it says they cried till 30 days. 30 days, they inaugurated a new leader and move on. We have to understand that the mourning process, the way the Torah prescribes mourning, is that there is a very intense seven days of mourning. It's not just mourning when everybody comes and drinks and eats. That's not what it's about. It's about taking the time to mourn the person who passed away. It's a seven-day period. Three days of those seven, the first three are more intense, where you're crying your eyes out. After three days, it's already it's still morning, and you're still sitting low, and you're still not wearing shoes, but it's even a lesser degree, like a half a degree less. I think the halacha says that you don't cry after the three days. Then, at seven days, we get up from the shiva. Then what happens? You have 30 days of mourning where you still don't shave. There are some other things that are different in those 30 days. And then the mourning extends to 11 months for a righteous person, 12 months for a less righteous person. And then you have annually a yard site. There's a certain time where God says, okay, now stop with the mourning and now it's time to move on with life. And psychologists, therapists will all tell you that there's a time where you just have to turn the page and now it's time to move on. The Torah tells us thus. The Jewish people cried a devastating loss of their leader. But then comes a time to move on. Joshua is the new leader and now let's move forward into the land of Israel. So what is death? What is life? Death means that we lose the opportunity to accomplish in this world. Life means we have the opportunity to accomplish in this world. Life doesn't mean that we're breathing because someone who's breathing 
and not accomplishing in this world is considered dead. The Talmud says that the righteous in their death are considered living and the wicked in their life are considered dead. Why? Because life is not about breathing. Life is about accomplishing. And our life should be a life which is dedicated to attaining accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment. That needs to be our goal. To never stop setting new sights on new goals, new agendas, that's living. Someone who has no challenge, someone who has no vision, someone who has no aspirations, that's a dead person, even if their heart is beating. Moshe was no longer living in that he couldn't accomplish anymore. But he's living because we learn his Torah. He lives on. Moshe was the righteous of the righteous. So when we say about the righteous after they pass, it says, we, we when we quote the Torah, when we quote Moshe, when we quote our sages, we don't say he said. We say he says. As our sages tell us, Sivsosam dovavos. Their lips are still uttering words in their grave. Why? Because their Torah is alive still. So you'd imagine the greatest leader in Jewish history, in world history, the greatest prophet ever. There will never, ever, ever be a prophet like Moshe, as the Torah says. What kind of eulogy would you give for such a man? I mean, unbelievable. It would be endless. We can write books and books about Moshe's life, about, about his great deeds, about his great miracles, about the unbelievable things that Moshe Rabbeinu did. But that's not the eulogy he gets in the Torah. The eulogy he gets in the Torah is two words. It says, Vayamos Moshe, and Moshe died. Eved Hashem, servant of God. That's it. The whole eulogy for Moshe. It's a little odd. Why would Moshe have such a simple, such a short, and almost seemingly insignificant eulogy? The Talmud teaches us that every person acquires their domain. Right now, the things that are in my hands belong to me. The things that are in my domain belong to me. But what about a servant? Everything that a servant acquires becomes his master's. Because a servant doesn't have any of his own domain. All of his domain is not his. It's his master's domain because his master owns him. The greatest eulogy in the world is the eulogy that Moshe got. Because Moshe was a true servant of Hashem. Everything that he did in his life was for his master, creator of heaven and earth. Moshe did nothing for his own personal good. Moshe did nothing for his own personal agenda. Moshe did nothing for his own personal, out of his own personal will. He did it because it was the will of Hashem. And that's why those two words, like they say, less is more, those two words qualify everything. Moshe had the greatest, the absolute greatest commitment to Hashem. One that no one like Moshe ever existed or ever will exist. Now, we finish the Torah on Simchas Torah 
And then what do we do immediately after? We begin the Torah again. We start over again. Our sages teach us from this that whenever we conclude the study of Talmud, the study of Mishnah, the study of anything that we're learning, you don't just stop at the end. You start the new beginning, the next beginning. Every single insight that you can have in the entire world is all in the Torah. Every single secret of medicine, every single piece of wisdom about agriculture, about anything you can possibly think of is in the Torah. There's no limit in the wisdom of the Torah. And every time we continue to learn it again and again and again and again, we will see new insights that will make us feel as if we never learned it before. We'll learn Bereshis Bara Lakim, which is the beginning of the Torah. Bereshis Bara Lakim In the beginning, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. And we start looking at what is Bara Shis. Hashem created the world in six days. The first word can be split into two. Bara Shis. Hashem created in six days. Bereshis Bara Elokim Es Hashemayim Ve'es Ha'aretz. Seven words. Hinting to the seven days of the week. There was a person who wrote a book about the seven days of creation. And he brought it to one of the great scholars, one of the great sages, Reb Simcha Wasserman. And he said, I've been working on this book for 25 years. Can you give me an approbation? This is 25 years? 25 years to discuss the creation of heaven and earth? That's not enough. 25 years is nothing. And you know what? If we learn it for a hundred years, it still won't be. Every time we look at it, whether we're a child, four years old, five years old, learning the Bereshis for the first time, or we're 105 years old, learning it for a 105th time. Every time it's new. Every time it's fresh. Hashem should bless us all that we should always merit to see the light of the Torah. We should always merit to connect with the Torah and learn from its wisdom and elevate ourselves every single day of our lives. Hashem should bless us that the Torah should always be sweet like honey and like the comb of a bee's nest, which is filled with honey. Why? Because Torah is so sweet that when we immerse ourselves in Torah, we become Torah. Hashem should bless our journey of learning. It should never stop. And we should merit to review the Torah time again, again, and again, and again. Hashem should bless our ways always. Amen. Chazak, chazak, benit chazek.